All right. Welcome, everybody, to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd firstly like to thank our sponsors for this one in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and, of course, even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. Right for this one, we have a special episode. South African JM Honda MX2 star Camden McClellan a week after returning to Indonesia. How's life, mate? And thanks for joining us. Good to be home, I bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be home finally. It was a a long week, let me tell you that. Yeah, mate. Did you enjoy the weekend off last weekend? Uh, you know, having a bit of a relax from racing, and did you obviously watch Southwick? Was pretty cool as well. Yeah. Uh... The week off was good. The body needed a lot of time to recover from from Indonesia, especially with the the change in time, the the heat, every everything really. Um, so yeah, it was nice weekend off, chill a little bit. Uh, yeah, like you said, watch Southwick. I went over to Brent's house, and we we watched it together. It was was good to see VL get the win. So yeah, easy weekend, good good past few weeks. So everything's going well. Yeah, mate, it's all going good. And just obviously while we're on it, how is Brent going? Is he in good spirits, mate? Obviously, he's really gaining some good momentum before that hip injury. They're always nasty hips. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we can see him back before the end of the year and maybe at the Nations even. Yeah, like you said, he was he was having a very good year uh, inside the top 10 consistently, one of the, the top non-factory riders. So, And he was only getting better, if you ask me. So it was an unfortunate uh, injury. Uh, not his fault from what, what I'm hearing, a, a collision with someone else and then it sent him off the jump. So a bit unfortunate, but he's doing well. He's he's recovering. Um, obviously, like you said, the hips are nasty ones. So it's taking a long time. He still has a long road ahead, but uh, he's very adamant that he wants to be back uh, before the year ends and, and get some races in. So that's, yeah, all based on the doctor what he says uh, and how the healing process goes but um he's very he's got his mind very fixed on that so will be interesting uh, i think nations is a bit out of the talk for him because belgium they they choose their team very very early and they have obviously a lot of good riders to choose from so we'll see we'll see yeah mate we'll watch this space for sure and obviously switching the back to indonesia how was it for you mate and the team obviously you've got that sponsorship connection there and obviously, Al Farisi must have been a bit of a home hero for sure. It looked like you guys were getting plenty of attention and sort of almost a lot of the focus were on you guys. It looked like you were getting treated like kings, mate. How was it? And did you have a blast over there just on that side of things? Yeah, 100%. Like you said, the uh, Dalvinto got a lot of attention and obviously him being in the team, uh, it was also slightly put onto us. So we did get a lot of good treatment. Uh, the fans loved us, loved him. Um and yeah, we we found it much easier to organize stuff through him. Uh, a lot of the teams had had struggles, you know, but he kind of always was a helping hand. He can speak Indonesian. He knows everyone there. Uh, and his Indonesian team, Astra, they also are really, really big in Indonesia. So they have a lot of power uh, and they, they helped us a lot uh, with, re- honestly, with small things like just food and all that kind of stuff. It was a big a big help um so yeah it was good it was unbelievably hot uh the first gp especially in in my opinion uh but a beautiful place the the tracks were good the second one was a little bit a little bit tough for me i struggled on that one but the the tracks were cool uh prepped well 
there was spectators so i think it was all in all a good a good two week weekends uh for mxgp and for myself and the team so i do look forward to hopefully going back there next year yeah, mate, it was certainly good for the series in a lot of ways. Obviously, yeah, there was a few issues that we'll touch on in a second. But did you enjoy the, obviously, the tracks, mate? Some bar were pretty special. Obviously, Lombok was a little bit of a different kettle of fish, but still produced some good racing. Obviously, you were results-wise for you, probably not where you want to be, like you mentioned. Had some really good speed, but just couldn't translate that into results. A few mistakes and this kind of thing, but were you still happy? And you're sort of just getting on that pathway to get back to your best after having an interrupted year so far with injury, mate. Obviously, just top 10s is where you want to be heading forward, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And uh, the eighth in the first GP in the qualifying race, that really uh, put some light into me. You know, I was was really pumped with that Uh Although there was a lot that I could still do better, I felt I was was happy with eight. You know, I was inside the top ten in front of some factory guys. I was was riding well. I didn't feel like um, they had much much more speed than me, so I, I kind of felt like I belonged. Uh, and that was a a very good feeling, you know, after the long and tough year that I've had. Um, and then yeah, Sunday I couldn't couldn't translate it. I was doing well in the first race. I had a big get off, and then. Um, the sand is really strange there. Like as soon as you went off the the track to where it wasn't prepped, it was like volcano ash. So my whole goggles and and everything got full full of that stuff, and then I couldn't see, and it kind of hindered me uh, a little bit mentally for the second race. You know, especially with the heat. As soon as you make mistakes, for some reason, you, the heat just hits you. I don't know what it was, um, but mentally I struggled uh, after the, after that first race crash. Um, but it still wasn't too bad you know the speed was there I felt the fitness was there only the crashes yeah once I had them they they kind of screwed my rhythm and the heat hit me and then like you said the second track was a a very very different kind of track uh tight small didn't get any ruts was something that I haven't personally seen on an MXGP circuit in in my time at least so that kind of caught me off guard and i feel like that track didn't suit the honda i don't i mean it's not the bike because uh fernandez he did well but i couldn't couldn't gel with the track at all uh, i was struggling all weekend from free practice and then obviously that that also plays a big big part in your head uh so couldn't find find myself that weekend and that kind of left me very very unhappy and very very down so I was happy to come back, um, but what I did learn at the second GP, especially, was that my fitness was good. So that was that was, that was a bonus, and there was positive to take. But yeah, it left me more down than anything. I would say. Yeah, it's all about building up everything, mate. The race, the intensity of being out there with those guys. Obviously, the heat wasn't ideal in a lot of ways. Did you have any sort of special techniques to sort of handle that? Lots of hydration beforehand, keeping up the nutrition. Was there any ice baths going on this kind of thing to sort of help manage the weekend? Yeah, so uh, for me, hydration has has been a big problem. Uh, in Loquette last year, when I did the drug test, I realized it because my, my pee was really dark. So I got in, a, a, I said that to my nutritionist and I got a hydration plan. And that's been since, ever since Loquette last year, it's been a massive, massive help for, for all the races. And then obviously now with the heat in Indonesia, that was for me the biggest and most important um aspect of the weekend uh the food was 
also it was tough. Like there was just rice and noodles, you know. So to to put the right stuff in your body was almost a risk. So I was kind of limiting myself, but I was also trying to find the limit where I where I could put enough goodness and and nutrients into my body that that I needed. Uh, and then yeah, like you said, they had some pools after the after the motor, like a a pool area. And uh, straight after the motor, I, I took my gear off and and jumped in the pools because I was, I was yeah, it was hot, it was was crazy. Yeah, and obviously a lot of guys got the food poisoning and the sickness, especially in Lombok, like the Coonan brothers and Dennis Stons and Elzinger. It, it must yeah. be just a bit frustrating for those guys. And is there was there any sort of secrets Delvin Paul gave you, mate, to handle it, or just obviously you got to eat the, the same stuff every day and not to not sort of stray away because then you put yourself at risk, like you said yeah uh there was there's no secrets like he said straightforward also for for me coming from south africa i would say my my uh digestive system and all that kind of stuff is a little bit stronger because you know in africa you also you also uh see those those kind of you, you yeah you're in that kind of environment it's very similar so for me it wasn't yeah i felt no problems with the food um but one thing that I made sure was that I, I didn't get comfortable, you know, as soon as you get comfortable, that's when it bites you. So like you said, I kind of stayed in my rice and noodles. I didn't explore far out of that. Um, and it was painful. I don't, yeah. After, after the week, I was so tired of eating that. You, you eat it for breakfast, you eat it for lunch, you eat it for dinner, just rice and noodles. It's crazy. But yeah, like I said, you can, either suffer on the weekends or you can suffer during the week eating rice and noodles. So I made my choice. I, I kept myself within the line. Jackie also was very strict on that. You know, no ice, don't explore, don't be silly. So I had it enforced on me and I was also, I was taking a safe route myself. Um, but I also feel like if you, if you're in Indonesia and everyone is talking about the food poisoning and then you, you get a little stomach cramp, yeah. Uh, your brain immediately switches to oh shit now i'm now i'm sick you know now i'm 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 gonna suffer this weekend and then your mind kind of takes that route also and then yeah like you say or, or i think there was many people that were sick but how sick they were i don't know i think it was just a very much a mind kind of thing uh at least that's my my point of view yeah, it's cool your perspective on a lot of things, mate. It's interesting to hear. Obviously, I like your yeah, thoughts we had last time on superstitions, how they're just like excuses and you have like a very yeah. blunt sort of way of approaching things, which is cool, mate. And obviously, even if the food's not that tasty, you got you want to have the energy so you can, you know, be at the peak of your powers or as close to. And obviously with the heat coming in, that sort of gives another doubt that flies in. But was there with the track, would you compare the soil to like an Argentina? I was speaking to Lucas Kuhn and then he probably said that was a similar sort of example with those sort of wispy soft sections hard base and what did you think of those wave sections mate especially in some bower that staircase looked absolutely savage if you didn't get the run out of the corner mate they were certainly big on the waves in in both tracks really weren't they yeah 100 percent. and i think lucas is spot on i mean i only did five laps in argentina unfortunately so i can't tell you exactly how it was when race time came but i would say it's yeah it was really loose and kind of um it had you questioning yourself you never really knew what the bike was going to do whether it was going to step out or whether the rut was going to hold so it was um it was tough and then yeah the, the the base was rock hard uh so it formed a lot of kickers uh everywhere 
and in in the first gp a lot of rocks came up i don't know where from uh but in some parts it was a bit like enduro like you had to kind of pray that your front wheel didn't hit a massive boulder and then send you you know off the track or something um and then the second gpr was also very similar uh, i would say a bit more hard hard base and less loose on the top but yeah i would say lucas is spot on with the 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 comparison to Argentina. While you were there, did you manage to get in some touristy style things? Obviously, you go surfing, maybe have some golf, go to the waterfalls, zoos, any of this sort of thing? We went, so the first two days uh, after the first GP, we went to Lombok, the the better island, as uh, Del Vinto said, the more, yeah, the, the, the better one. And then uh, we stayed there a couple of days just in a hotel that was kind of in the middle of the city. So there wasn't much to do. And then Wednesday, we went to Gilly Island, which was like kind of a big tourist attraction. Uh, a lot of Australians go there, Delvinto said. So that was really nice. We went swimming with turtles and we did a bunch of cool activities there. Um, and yeah, the place is unreal. It's really, really beautiful there. So that was a nice experience. Had to take a lot of photos for my mom, you know. Um, and then Thursday, Thursday, it kind of died down. Then it all became business again, you know. We went to the track. We got everything ready. Same as Friday. And then, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, obviously raced. And Monday, got out of there. Do you think the two rounds is too much for you guys to be over there for, I guess, that amount of time? Or would you maybe prefer, there's talk of an Australian MXGP round coming, so maybe you could you know, lose one of those Indonesian rounds and then tack on the Aussie GP after that for next year. Is that something you'd be interested in? 100%. Uh, in, in my opinion, the two rounds is is much better than one. Uh, I think for, for the teams as well, you know, it's a lot of money to send the bikes there for one round and then come back. So two rounds definitely makes more sense. And uh, on the Australian GP, I think that would be sick. I think Australia is a country that's really... Uh, looked over on how good their riders are and how good the tracks and and everything is there and it's um english speaking which makes it very easy for everyone so i i, I definitely think there should be a gp there uh in a world championship so if they could somehow make that happen from indonesia to australia that i, I would be i would be over the moon with that i think that that would be good for the for the series and then obviously tack one on in south africa while you're there mate is there any talk of something yeah. happening there or not really MXGP. Well, my manager actually he surprised me. He said in Germany that he'd heard talk of a South African GP, but I would love it, hundred percent. I would I would find that flipping awesome, but I don't believe that it can happen. I mean, we have the facilities, especially Cape Town. It's it's well safe there. Um, there's space everywhere in South Africa, so that's really not the problem. You know, if they want to build a track or and there is good tracks down in Cape Town, so like the possibilities are endless obviously um and in my opinion it's very viable to to go to south africa it's it's not like it's a rural country in the middle of nowhere uh it's much i would say much easier than than indonesia um so there is rumors but i highly doubt that's going to happen especially if someone has to pay up you know because the, the the indonesian government is from what i hear is paying a lot for those gps so i doubt any Anyone from South Africa would be willing to to give up that kind of money. Yeah, it'd be cool. That's for sure. Obviously, get to these markets where motocross is obviously still strong and they sell a fair chunk of bikes, I'd imagine, yeah. as well as Australia. So 
just, just a couple of final thoughts on Indonesia. How was the organisation of the whole thing? Obviously, in front, we're doing a lot to... It's a massive effort to take the series there, and then they announced they were helping some of the smaller teams with, with the freight and this kind of stuff. On the ground, how was it, mate? Was everything set out as it should be? Yeah, for me, everything was straightforward. Uh, Sal, the, the Italian travel company or agency, I'm not 100% sure, but they do all the... They, they Yeah, they take care of all the flights and and everything so we had all our flights um done already uh for me it was straightforward it was okay we fly in this time get on the plane go there was no waiting or or any confusion so for me it was straightforward was well planned obviously because that is like you said a big big thing to plan um but yeah i think they did a good job yeah, mate, deserve credit for sort of doing that undertaking. It's huge. And just on the racing, mate, obviously Koonin and Gertz were the masterclasses in each race. Belgians were looking good. Who do you think's got the edge in the title fight, mate? Obviously, you know, really well from seeing it firsthand. Do you think Iago does it? Adamo, Benestant, DeWolf. Who's your pick, mate? Well, for the title, it's it's, it's really difficult. Um, I would love to see Iago come back and, and, and win those points back and win a title before he has to go up. Uh, I think he deserves it from all these last three, four years of, of struggle and pain. But I think Joel Smets is absolute magic. And I think he's got Adama really, really tuned up it's on the bike, especially. And as well as in the head, I think he really puts you right in the head and Adama is in a good uh, frame of mind. So I think it'll be tough to beat him. Uh, Kai is obviously lingering his his ankle and it doesn't seem to be going away. So that could be tough for him to to overcome, uh, especially this part of the season. You, you know, you might start getting some doubts and, and whatnot. But um, Benistan's also really close. Uh, and to be honest, for me, I thought he would be a lot better this season. Uh, like more, more of those French GP kind of yeah. speed and, and show and comfort on the bike, you know. Uh, but like, yeah, if he if he flicks the switch, he he'll be dangerous for sure. Kai is always fast. Uh, it's really up to him whether he stays on the bike and stays healthy. And then gets I think it's it's good that he's behind. I think it, it's uh, one of the first years that he's really been kind of um, overlooked now since his since his injury, and now he's kind of on the low coming back up. He doesn't have pressure on, so it might might benefit him mentally, but. Like I said, I think Adamo is going to be really hard to rock. Uh, I think his his mind is is like concrete, and no doubt he has one of the best bikes under him, best teams behind him. So we'll see. It's going to get interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, it is, mate. It's pretty interesting watching it because you know, obviously, Yago, what happened last year with heartbreaking fashion, losing the title on the on the last day, you know, when he crashed into Vial and. You probably want to banish those demons, mate. And he's got that target out in front now, and it's pretty ominous, especially when he's you know picking up sixty point weekends. Obviously, with the qualifying yeah. races, he's he's done three of them already, mate. So he'll be able to pick up those points quite nicely if he can get a roll on, like we've seen. So and then yeah, Beniston, it's been it's almost bizarre because he's got the talent and the skill, and you know he's with the team. Yeah. And he knows he's got had some time there, and he hasn't had those injuries interrupting him. But the guy's just a freak, like you saw the Germany last year. The, the overall win yeah. there it was just an absolute clinic so you sort of think he's going to make strides and then he'll sort of have an off weekend yeah. obviously the sickness didn't help him but personally mate with your body and fitness how are you feeling are you sort of nearing 100 percent after the injuries and obviously you had another crash in france that just flared up the shoulder a bit so 
You feel like everything's going well, mate? Obviously, we spoke just before the Dutch round you're about to do on that Monday, wasn't it? And, you know, we've had four rounds since Latvia, Germany, and the two in the Indo rounds. And obviously, Latvia getting 11th overall was impressive. Must have been a good confidence boost. So how's it all going, mate? And yeah, you're just aiming for more progress in the future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just looking for progress. And the shoulder is is progressing really well. Um, after France, I was fighting with it a lot. Uh, it didn't seem to be getting better. Um, and then eventually after Germany, I got some scans because it was really, really bad throughout Germany. I was living on painkillers basically the whole weekend uh, just to try and survive the motors. And then uh, we came to the conclusion with the doctor that I'm not stretching it enough. So I kind of screwed myself for those four GPs uh, or three GPs or whatever it was. So now it's it's definitely on the come up. Uh, it's much, much better than what it was and what it has been. So if I can continue this way, I think in a couple of rounds, it'll be back to 100% and it won't be lingering or giving me any problems in the racing. Um, so I look forward to that. And then obviously yeah, I'm building on my confidence. Uh, to be honest, Latvia was, was tough. I started up front, both motors, and just went backwards. Um, and it was not due to a lack of speed. I, fe I felt good on the track, but I had absolutely no confidence. I was, yeah, I was struggling to to do like some doubles and especially in the waves, I was so bad there. I, I was losing all my time there really. So that kind of knocked me on the, on the head, uh, kind of put me down, like I said, after the second Indonesian one as well. And honestly, since, since then, it's been, it's been really tough for me. I've, I kind of didn't want to train anymore. I didn't want to see my back. I wanted to take time off. Uh, and th that's exactly not what I need now. So I stayed on the bike. I stayed riding uh, and it had been tough. I, I didn't have many good training sessions, let's say, uh, especially before Indonesia. I was was struggling purely mentally. But now I feel like I'm getting much better again. Uh, I look forward to the races, which I haven't lately which is really bad to say but um yeah uh, it's time for me i would say to to get in the top 10 you know that's the goal uh that has been the goal since the beginning and no doubt i have the speed and and everything to 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 get there so this weekend will be a, a big stepping stone for me hopefully yeah, it's interesting. It's great to hear your honesty, mate, because obviously people see and they make their own assumptions about why riders might not have the speed or why they're dropping back in a certain race. But there's just so many factors you guys have to deal with on top of things like traveling and being out of your routines every weekend. So it's cool to hear about your ups and downs, mate, and just so much to deal with. And you're so young still. So it's it's pretty impressive, mate. Just keep at it. And I'm sure everything will fall into place eventually. And how has the preparation been for Lockett this weekend you've obviously raced there last year at MXT you sort of did a wild card I guess you would call it went 14-15 for 15th overall must have been a top learning experience are you sort of excited at the prospect this weekend it's pretty sketchy surface traction can be pretty hard to find any expectations for you uh yeah Lockett's uh, it's a very very happy track for me I would say that's where I won my European championship and then I didn't debut there in MX2. It was my second uh, MX2, but I did pretty well uh, with 14-15, like you said. So I was pumped on that uh, last year. And uh, yeah, not much to say. I, I enjoyed the track, um, but if you if you can't set the bike up correctly and you, you struggle with soft hands or something, that is not the track you want to be at. So since, yeah, on Saturday, 
everything's going to have to click. I'm going to have to make the changes needed on, on free practice or time practice if there is, is any uh, changes needed. But uh, for sure, it's gonna everything's gonna have to click. Like you said, the traction is at an absolute minimum. Um, there's bumps everywhere. It's rock, rock hard. So it's gonna be important to to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, it's easy to go down there and make mistakes. So I need to be uh, rock solid for sure. Yeah, mate. It's interesting. I was watching a moto from I think 2019 with Geyser and Fevre sort of battling it out pretty well there. And yeah, it was looked it looked pretty rough for those dudes. Even back then, you just look at all the choppy sections and you really had to sort of piece together the full track. Like you could do really well in one section. And then you, if you didn't piece the whole lap together, you'd just be losing time. And it, it can be a place that's hard to sort of make small margins because the racing's pretty tight. It's quite hard to pass a lot of the time. So you need to have everything dialed. And how are you feeling with a bike? Obviously, you mentioned Jackie's got your suspension dialed. You were changing some bars and just getting a bit more comfortable with a few things, mate. So since we last spoke, how's the comfort levels and you're feeling good? Uh, like I said, to be honest, um, when I was in that, yeah, I didn't want to train, didn't want to see my bike kind of error, let's call it. Um, I was kind of finding ways to 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 yeah, make an excuse almost, you know, I was second guessing stuff on the bike and I was changing a lot and it was all unnecessary to be honest. So I've gone back to what I was on before and now I'm feeling good again. Um, uh, so, so yeah, hopefully it clicks this weekend. Uh, like you said, the track is, is really tight. So starts are going to be really important this weekend. Uh, and I've been ham hammering them out. Um, so yeah, like I said, you got to be rock solid. You got to be firing on all cylinders. Starts have to be there. Uh, the track takes a lot of balls. You know, there's a lot of up and down, and uh, you can make a lot of a lot of time on the downhills. So you got to be a bit ballsy in some sections. Also, to make passes, it can be difficult. So it'll be interesting. Uh, it's definitely one of the more raw natural tracks uh, in the circuit. So it's good. Yeah, mate, it's interesting you talk about the bike setup and the, the mental side that goes with that as well. So with, with obviously motocross, the rider makes such a huge difference. So how much uh, rider and how much bike, what, what percentages are you putting it down to at the moment? Rider 70%, bike 30%? I would say that's accurate, yeah. Or, I mean, on a good day, it's 50-50. You know, you got to be equal with the bike. you got to be at 100%, and so, so does the bike. So 50-50, but... A lot of it comes from the rider, you know, if there is like Adam Cincerello, he said one time, and I kind of feel like I've been doing that my whole life coming from South Africa. You don't really have many suspension options and many things that you can trick your bike out with to, to make it better. So like uh, he said, um, before you like try and fix the bike, you got to fix yourself. You know, you got to look at yourself, analyze what you're doing, maybe, Maybe it's you, maybe you the problem. And uh, if you if you do and you you change the way you're riding or what you're doing and it's still not working, then you can kind of look at the bike. But uh, otherwise, you tend to get lost, uh, I would say. And that's a very bad place to be when you, you're searching on the bike and there's really nothing wrong with the bike. It's all in your riding. So I would say it's 50-50. You've got to be firing as well as the bike uh, and you've got to be like the like Prado is a perfect example. If you watch him on the bike, it's it's one one person, one one motion always. Yeah, he's a definite master at having it set up, and it probably 
the emphasis on the setup's probably more important in the 250, obviously with that reduction in power and just trying to make any small gain as much as possible. So the 450, obviously, you don't need to worry about the power. So no, it's cool to hear your thoughts on that, mate. And just sort of switching ahead to Lommel, obviously massive weekend for the team. Um, Jackie and the and the crew will be putting on something special, I'd imagine, again. And have you got some special uh, lit kits from a Cherby's plan? Because they've been firing this year too, haven't they? Well, we've had lit kits every every weekend. You know, it's crazy how much uh, it, it's really cool for me. You know, as a as a nineteen year old, you love new stuff. So every weekend when we get the new gear and and the new bike, I fall in love with it every weekend. It's really really cool. But yeah, for Lomo, we have we have some special graphics, some special plastics and gear, obviously. So we'll be looking we'll be looking clean as we do every weekend. Also, this weekend we have some pretty cool stuff planned. Uh, in terms of biking gear so very different that's what i like about it also you know they're not we, we're riding on it but half the time you look at it it's you, you think what is that you know it's blue and then it's yellow or gold so it's really cool it's really out the box it stands out uh, a lot of the fans love it like germany when we had the chrome gold uh, with the chrome chrome stickers and everything Everyone was taking pictures of our bikes uh, in the in the pits, so it was it was cool. Nah, mate, it brings a cool vibe and sort of a little bit of extra excitement to the rounds, and cool for you guys to personally kit it out too. And have you got some sort of uh, social stuff planned? Any vlogs, mate? You're gonna get back into them. So now to tomorrow, uh, a kid from South Africa named Anu. He's uh, just just graduated or busy graduating like videography school and and whatnot. So. He's coming out. He's going to do a vlog for Loquette and Lommel. So the vlogs will be back for at least those two rounds. So that'll be cool. And uh, it's a professional doing it as well, you know, with good camera. He knows what he's doing. So it's going to be cool for sure. The content's going to be firing the, these two weeks. So I look forward to that a lot. And I think a lot of a lot of people that I speak to on Instagram uh, also really look forward to the vlogs coming back. Yeah, just talk about the South African support back over just in general, mate. How is it? And does it really motivate you and give you a boost having so many people following your your progress? And does it sort of yeah just give you that extra spur on to get the results and make them happy too? Yeah, 100%. We have a, a WhatsApp group where I send all my results and, and whatnot. And we have a good 100 people in there, I would say. Uh, maybe not 100, I don't know. But we got a lot, uh, all of the, the, the supporters back home. So Every weekend, uh, you know, I send them the stuff and they, they reply back with some some motivating stuff, uh, some support. So that's always nice to hear, obviously. And then my mom and dad, they've also been very, very supportive from back home. Uh, and my mom's here now, actually. She's going to be here for a couple GPs. So that will also be be pretty cool for me. Uh, so, yeah, no, like you said, it's 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 motivating. It's it's kind of gives you a an extra thing to do it for if you could say it like that you know if you don't believe in yourself or you you're not there yourself you have these people back home that are all betting on you and and supporting you that kind of you can say okay well if i'm not here to do it for myself at least let me make some people back home proud yeah it's like a good weight of expectation obviously the the racing side and the team side you know you've got all that to deal with that's like maybe a, a challenging state of pressure and weight of expectation to feel but that's a good sort of positive way to look at it and how is the family mate and obviously you had your own issues getting back to europe i believe they've been struggling to get back there too and they're all well mate all proud of you yeah yeah 100 uh, my dad and brother are still in sa um 
sorting out some visa stuff but my mom she's had hers sorted since the beginning of the year actually before me so she's yeah she's able to travel here and there um obviously it's it's a major cost so she's here for a few weeks until my brother and dad get their their stuff sorted and then they're gonna move to portugal because that's where we got the visas from so still they, they won't be around uh my brother might come here and stay with me uh that will be awesome uh but yeah like you said they've been supporting from home it has been has been tough um for me, you know, sitting alone half the time, doing everything myself, but it's been a great learning experience for sure. Yeah, mate, you're certainly growing up quick and it's good to have that framework around you to support you and it'd be good obviously having them there at the GPs for another shoulder to lean on. And just talking about South Africa, again, we you touched on the Motocross the Nations team situation where there was sort of murmurings that you'd have to race the domestic championship to be selected. Is there any sort of news on that? And be cool to have, you know, Slade Smith and Phelps are doing their thing in America and you got yourself and Purden in, in Europe doing their thing, mate. So any news on that? Because you could have a pretty quality team, you know, lighting up at ERNA if all goes to plan and, you know, the yeah, right decisions are made. Yeah, we, we've got a lot of good guys this year coming overseas and and reaching out and getting better and growing, uh, not only in South Africa, you know. Um, it helps a lot to come here and experience a GP or experience an AMA and Slade's doing well in America, as is Marcus, you know. Um, the Phelps' Marcus, he, he's traveling with his brother and his mom in a, a van across the country. So they're really doing it like really privateer style. And he's still pulling points home. So that's it's really impressive, no doubt about it. You know, the AMA have full lines every weekend. So to pull to pull points home is is very good. And then Slade, he recently got a top 15 in the AMAs so he's also he's killing it over there and I think he's getting better every weekend um and then TP as well Tristan he's he's been in my opinion the guy has a lot of potential um if he could buy himself a start I think he could really run with a, a lot of the people that that are beating him beating him at the moment but he's doing well in in Great Britain uh in that championship uh, I think he's just outside the top five but I, I reckon if he gets a good start, he'll be in there, no problem. So we could definitely have a strong team this year. Um, but I still, I don't know what's what's cracking on with the the, the choices, how they're going to make it or, or, or what's the criteria. I don't know. Well, it seems like if you're putting so many resources and, you know, financially and, and everything just to move you know, riders to these things you need. And you go, you're in Europe and so is Tristan. It makes sense on that aspect too. But if you're going to do it, you got to do it right and have your best riders on show. So let's hope that common sense prevails on that one, mate. And we, we'll see you there. And yeah, just about those guys in America, do you, are you mates with them? Do you race them back home or anything? Do you have like a relationship with them or do you just like chat about the races and give congrats to each other and this kind of thing? No, um, so so Marcus, he has a younger brother. Um, I'm really good with him. His name's Sebastian. Uh, we've been mates for for yeah since since we were so so little and what whatnot. Um, but Marcus has kind of been living overseas for for all of his all of his life, and he was kind of a couple of years older than me, so we never really yeah hit it on um like me and his brother did. But I saw him this last off season he was back in SA and uh, we had a good time I spoke to him uh, and now that we kind of both maturing we can we get along much better so I like him a lot he's cool Slade as well um, he's been good friends of my family my mom 
goes out with his mom when they're back in SA all the time. So they're, they're good friends as well. And then um, me and Tristan, we get along really well. He's a bit older, but in his mind, he's he's very young. Uh, he He's like a very much a child. He, he's funny. He makes stupid jokes always. So I get along really well with him. Uh, and as I do everyone in South Africa as well, you know, I don't really have beef. Uh, there's not kind of tension after the races like there is in Europe or in the AMAs because it's it's really not that serious. Yeah, but it's cool to see all you guys flying the flag for South African motocross all over the world. and must be inspiring kind of the next generation coming through, which would be something that's kind of cool to be leading. So, And just on America, mate, how did you look at Southwick? It looked absolutely brutal. Obviously not as brutal a sand track as the ones you have in Europe, for example, Lommel and Riola, but the heat just made it so brutal from from here and to some guys and yeah, the humidity and they, they looked absolutely smoked, the riders. But yeah, Jet putting another masterclass, just carrying that momentum beautifully, you know, doubling those little bumps and missing out all those nasty sections. He just navigated it so superbly, handled it well. And, and then obviously Vial, who you've raced before, yeah, got that first win, maybe a little bit surprising, but sort of a few things fell his way for it to happen, but awesome performance to get it done. And it was fitting that it was in the sand. So, and obviously Deegan's now on top of the points and Hunter Lawrence has had his issues. So yeah, what's your take on it, mate? It was pretty fascinating. Yeah, like you said, uh, the, the track was was gnarly. Um, I would even put it on on par with the tracks we have here, like especially with the heat, you know. Yeah. It's, it's no joke. Uh, we, we Riola is hot. But this year it was in the early kind of stages of summer, so it wasn't too bad. I don't think I wasn't there, but that's just what I heard. But um, the heat—it's it, unreal. Since I've been to Indonesia, I realized like what a factor it plays, especially when it's humid. And I know at Southwick it was humid. You know, you heard it from everyone, so it's gnarly. And that the track kind of looks like you never have a break. It always looks like you're just going and there's bumps everywhere and it's high speed. So it takes a lot out of your arms and legs for sure. So it was tough. I would say I would put it on par with the tracks we have here, no doubt. Um, and yeah, like you said, for Tom to get his first win there was kind of a bit of a shock to me, to be honest, because he's not regarded as a sand rider, at least not in Europe. Um, he did win in Lommel those, those, two GPs in 2020, I think it was, but was kind of a different circumstance with the COVID and, and Yago was eating, eating it like seven times a race as well. So that, that, that kind of <laughs> helped him. Like you said, he put himself in the position this weekend. Uh, Cooper fell in the first race. And then in the second race, he kind of looked smoked from the halfway point and then uh, they started to catch him, but he, he held on. And that's all that matters, obviously. You know, when you get the overall win, you don't you don't care how you get it as as long as you get it. So props to him. Uh props to Deegan as well. You know, 17 years old, running the red plate already. It's it's pretty gnarly for sure. Um as much as you can say about the kid that he's been given everything and this and that, he's he's proving why uh why they, they, they took him at star and why he's getting all these opportunities. So it's it's good good for him obviously and then jet yeah he's ahead of his years in uh on the bike at least off the bike is very debatable <laughs> but on the bike he's way ahead of his time no doubt about it like it doesn't even look like he's trying half of the time and then then sexton will close in and then the next lap jet pulls like four seconds it's just it's almost boring to watch like i i don't I'm becoming a, a hater of Jet. Like he, he needs to start making it interesting, like getting start crashes or starting backwards or something. 
Yeah, it's one thing obviously riding so well, but he keeps just combining it with those starts. It's quite quite outrageous, isn't it? And he just looks like he has that another gear where he's not, you know, pushing that hard. And if someone like Ferrandis or Sexton, like you said, closes in, he can just extend out again. It must be pretty demoralizing for the competition, mate. And obviously looking ahead at Ernay, you'll be possibly getting the chance to race some of these guys. The USA Motocross the Nations team will be pretty interesting because obviously Justin Cooper's getting married, so he's out of the question. Sexton will be in limbo with the team change. So, yeah, we, we might see Deegan or RJ Hampshire joining someone like Plessinger and Barsha. What's your take on it and who would you pick? I wouldn't be surprised if they picked Deegan, you know. Obviously, a lot of politics would go into that because he's like, you know, he's like the face of American motocross at the moment. So I definitely think if Coop's out of the question, Deegan or Hampshire is the next best best guys. Um and then obviously Shimoda will be there for Japan, uh, Jet Hunter, or all, all of them, obviously. So it'll that that's the cool thing about nations, you know. It's kind of like a real world championship, uh, even though it doesn't feel like it. It feels more like a hobby race, you know. Everyone's kind of seeing old mates again and screwing around, and it's it's more team vibe than a you out on the gate by yourself. You got to do everything by yourself, you know. You kind of have someone to. If you screw up, you kind of can lay back on someone. So it's definitely a different vibe at the Nations, but it's a it's a really good one. Uh, I enjoyed my time the past two years at Nations. So I really hope I make the team this year. Would you be riding a 450, stepping up to that with the options you guys have? Is that something you've looked at? And how much have you ridden the bigger bike? Uh, I rode it in South Africa in the preseason and I gelled with it immediately. I lo- like the Honda 450 is easily the best bike i've ever ridden it's so like the power delivery and everything is so nice on that bike so i've put the question into my parents um that if we go nations that i want to go on a 450 and they were kind of against it uh for some reason i don't i don't don't really know why but my dad has always or uh, he's always kind of been against the 450 uh he says it's like a different animal you know and you got to learn to ride it but I immediately gelled with it. I felt good on it. I rode heavy sand tracks with it. So I would love to step up onto the 450 and and show some guys what I can do on the 450 because my build kind of suits the 450 as well. You know, I'm a lot bigger than Brent or not a lot. I'm a bit bigger than Brent. Uh, I think I weigh a little bit more than him. So in actual fact, I could suit the 450, you know, perfectly because Brent, obviously he's been shredding the 450 this year and he's, a medium-sized guy, let's say, <laughs> not, not not to to say anything about it, but yeah, I would like to. Uh, but first of all, I would just like to make the team. So yeah, we'll see. It's a good problem to have, mate. To to have to worry about yeah. something like that. So hopefully, yeah, it all works out. And just a couple before we go. Yeah, title picks in America, just quickly. Obviously, Jet Lawrence is going to be pretty hard to beat. Do you think he goes undefeated? Uh, it's probably the main question everyone's asking. And in the 250s, do you still think Hunter's got enough, even though he's got some lingering issues and, you know, battling a bit of adversity lately, really, isn't he? Yeah, I would say, like, as long as Hunter doesn't get in his own head, I think he's got it. Um, the thing with Deegan that I really like about him, um, like, he's hungry, man. He... He has been given everything in his life. There's no doubt about it. You know, since he was a little kid, he's gotten everything. You could call him spoiled or whatever, but he's hungry, you know, and a, a lot of spoiled or, or kids that get everything when they're young, they they don't have that kind of factor. And he has it in him. And 
he, he shows it on the track. You see it in the press conference. The guy doesn't care what, what he says or who he's talking about, really. So I really like that. And I feel even with the red plate, he still looks at himself as an underdog. So it might be hard to beat him now. You know, I think the red plate's good for him. I think it's going to motivate him. But Hunter is outright the better rider at the moment. Um, so I believe Hunter will come back and, and take the title. And then Jets, obviously, like you said, going to be hard to beat in the 450s. But whether he goes undefeated or not is is the, the better question, I would say. And I I believe he will if he continues like this in in, in this form. But with Sexton back, and, and like it's not going to be easy. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think it'll it'll come down to some some kind of star crash or some really big crash or silly mistake. You know that costs him a lot of time, or even an engine failure. I think yeah. the easiest or or most likely way that anyone's going to beat him would be through an engine failure or a bike bike problem. Yeah, it's well said, mate. It was great to hear your thoughts on Deegan. Obviously, you can't sort of fake those efforts and the training he's put in to get through all these rounds like Southwick and just to keep compiling results because he obviously puts the work in. Obviously, he's had a unique upbringing and he's quite, you know, familiar with the media so that that he sort of plays on that pretty well and his dad, they know what they're doing with, with that program. So it'll be cool to follow, mate. Yeah, all eyes will be on him with the red plate this weekend, that's for sure. And just looking ahead, a couple yep. more, mate. The story behind your number 122, just give the fans a little insight into that. Um, originally I was 48 when I started out and I ran that for a couple of years, um, because my older cousin, he, he rode for, for a short time. He was number 48. Then he injured his knee and the, the, yeah, his parents pulled the plug, uh, on riding. So, so I inherited the number 48 because it kind of ran in the family. And then, uh, my old trainer retired, uh, when I was on 50 CCs, just, just towards the end. And then, um, he had the number 122 and he had just retired. So I was like, oh, let me keep the number going. Uh, and really, it doesn't have any meaning behind it. Uh, I, I kind of chose it because I also like the look of the 122. It looks cool on the bike and on the jersey. So that was th that. Yeah, that's the reason. But next year, I might, you know, I, I'm feeling Langston lately. Like I've become a big fan of, of Grant Langston. Uh, and back in his early days, he ran triple one. So maybe I must continue the the Zulu warrior, warrior legacy and and run triple one next year. You never know, but yeah, no no real meaning behind the one twenty two. Yeah, there's definitely some cool guys with the triple one out there, mate. Uh, even in Australia here, so we'll keep an eye out for that. And just with next year, have you sealed a deal with JM Honda for next year? Or are you sort of open? It's still up in the air. Discussions are ongoing. Yeah, it's very much still up in the air. Um, Obviously, Jackie had been with me at the last GPs where I kind of had been struggling, you know, especially with the 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 riding factor. And that doesn't help or put any faith into a team manager, you know, like, oh, this is the guy we need. Uh, so I I think he's happy with me, but I still got a lot of a lot of work to do to make him satisfied, let's say. Uh, but it's very much up in the air. Uh, there's nothing on paper. There's nothing, no talk. So it's yeah, it's very much up in the air. But that adds a little bit. Obviously, the performances are crucial, and obviously with Triumph and yeah. Ducati coming in the future, and the MX2 class is an interesting one with the age rule. Someone like you will probably be pretty ideal for Triumph, I would say. Uh, is that something that's crossed your mind or you've thought about? It's it's yeah. Well, it's first of all, it's good for the sport that there's new 
uh, new brands coming in, no doubt about that. And then it's always, especially as a 19 year old, it's always appealing, you know, to go to these new brands and you make history and whatever. But if you look at beta with all due respect, they haven't been competitive, you know, and my, my goal is to win championships. And if, if any of them comes to me and says, Hey, we have a championship winning bike or, you know, but for the, for the rest, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. So it's, yeah, we'll see. Like you said, maybe, maybe I'm the ideal guy for them. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, it's very much up in the air right now. And there's also a lot of a lot of youngsters that are doing well. Uh like in France, like I said, those those two VRT kids were were on it. So first I gotta focus on beating them before I focus on any contract negotiations coming through, especially big ones. So Yeah, mate, Zanki and Rossi were on it and yeah, that AMX two fifty class. The the top guys are definitely MX two levels. So yeah, just to close it out, mate, just aims for the rest of the season. Anything specific in mind and who would you like to give shout outs to and thanks to people like the team and your family? Um, obviously is now to, to get straight into the top, the, the top 10, you know, I've, I've been knocking on the door and I belong there. I, I know it, I feel it. So get straight in there. And then from there, just progress. You know, I feel like if I get a good start on a track that suits me and I'm in the right frame of mind, I can, I can run with the top guys and, uh, shout out to the team. The, they've, uh, got a new engine developer that works alongside Jackie. His name's Bjorn. And he's been working absolute magic, him and Jackie together. So they almost every month they've come out with a new engine that's that's elevated the bike to a, to a new level. So if they can continue to do that and, and give me the best possible chance to run with the factory guys, um, I have no doubt that I can I can be in front. So towards the end of the year, I definitely want to be raising eyebrows and and you know messing with the the front guys, rubbing elbows and and whatnot. So that's the goal. And then obviously, yeah, big shout out to my family. You know, obviously I wouldn't be out, be here without them. And then uh, the team, like I said, they, every month they come out with a new engine. They, there's no, no doubt that they, they're working hard. So big shout out to them. The trainer, uh, he's been very much my, my go-to man, my rock since I've been struggling in the, in the head. So all those guys that I, I hold them very close to me. Uh, very important people in the in the process that I'm that I'm going through right now. So yeah, big shout out to them. Absolutely, mate. It's exciting times ahead for you, mate. We'll all be keeping track of your progress closely. And yeah, we definitely look forward to you speaking to you soon. But before we let you go, we'll thank the sponsors in Fly Racing, Monster Energy, Fox, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbies, ASU Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and of course even Strokes for all their support. As without them, none of this would be possible. All right, mate. Thanks again for joining us. And all the best for Lockett this weekend. And we look forward to catching up soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate.